welcome to Streams of Progress, where we bring you weekly conversations with many of the UAE's prominent leaders and thinkers. Each of our guests are actively contributing to the vitality of the UAE community and economy. Our goal in the podcast is to inspire you to drive progress in your professional and personal life. Hey everyone, this is Manrod, and this week on Streams of Progress, I sat down with Jasper Hope of Proscenium Arts, formerly of the Dubai Opera. In this episode, we covered Jasper's prestigious career in the music and entertainment industry, working his way through the ranks at IMG Europe and eventually becoming the Chief Operating Officer of the Royal Albert Hall in London, and most recently leading the Dubai Opera. With his latest endeavor, Persinium Arts, he is on the forefront of an arts renaissance in the region, contributing and supporting a range of clients to realize new innovative arts and entertainment events and venues throughout the MENA region. We also explored his exposure to talented musicians from an early age and his own brother's musical talent. There was a lot we covered in this episode, so let's dive right in. So today we're sitting down with Jasper Hope of Persinium Arts, formerly of Dubai Opera. Thank you for being on the show. Pleasure. Before we get into what exactly you're doing now, uh, let's talk about your background for people who don't know. Where do you come from? Who are you? Big questions. Yeah. (laughs) So I am originally South African born. I moved to London uh, aged five. Uh, I am the son of an author uh, and a a music agent. and I grew up uh, initially in uh, London and the UK. My family has since moved on uh, around the world, so we're pretty well spread. But London was home, certainly for the, the formative years of, uh, of school. And then uh, I got pretty quickly into music and entertainment myself, possibly not surprising given the background that I came from, and, um, and found my own pathway uh, into a, a career that has for now, well, almost 30 years been amazing and rewarding and taken me to all kinds of different places um, through being an agent and a promoter, uh, through looking after some incredible venues uh, overseas and uh, and then most recently brought me to Dubai about five years ago um, to found, uh, to create uh, oversee the the remaining construction of the Dubai Opera and then open the building uh, as a viable uh, world class entertainment space uh, for the residents of Dubai for the the many visitors that come um, and for the city itself to have a another dimension because it was something that uh, I felt was uh, lacking at the time there were there were shows and things that happened but they were kind of done in an ad hoc way and the venues weren't always great and Dubai Opera offered a an opportunity for um, some kind of consistent quality uh, entertainment year-round um, in this great city yeah it really stands out both architecturally but also in terms of the entertainment for us as residents and I guess visitors who visit the city I just want to go back real quick where you mentioned you were drawn to the music industry partially maybe because of uh, your own family's exposure to yes. So what would you say drew you to the music industry? So, I mean, I guess it, it was always around. Um, my mother uh, in her career uh, has managed many, many hundreds of artists, um, looked after their careers and lives. Uh, and one of the, uh, or in fact, the main one, I think unarguably the main 
um, musician that she looked after was Yehudi Menuhin. She looked after him. She managed him for 25-odd years uh, uh, until his death. And uh, having him in one's life as a as a growing child, as uh, adolescent, um, uh, and then a, a student, um, played an enormous part. Um, I never wanted to be just in classical music, but seeing... Uh, the power of music and the value of music in people's lives, seeing that the way that um, he chose to um, not just perform, but to take music to as wide a group of people as he could possibly find, into schools and prisons and hospitals, uh, into countries that uh, you know possibly he, he hadn't been welcome in, all kinds of things, to, to stand as a humanitarian um, as well as as a musician, I just I found that incredibly powerful. He played a great role in you know the family's life, and uh, what I got to see as a result of what my mother was um, doing and and with him and with many others uh, was this range of uh, work that, if you think back to um, I don't know about in your case, but in my case, careers advice at school. There are so many things that aren't really explained to you, possible jobs, possible routes for life. And I found that this was a possible route in life that I hadn't previously really considered. I didn't know how you kind of got into it or anything. And uh, it, it just appealed to me. And I thought, well, let's give it a go. Let's just see. And, and I, at, at the beginning, I wasn't kind of fixed on this is all I'm ever going to do but I thought I've got to start with something I need a job I need to to earn some money um so let's let's try um and I didn't end up doing only classical music and I didn't end up representing anybody and you know I took a very different route but the starting point was was absolutely from that and from my experiences from a young age and during your education years did you pursue music as well was that one of your uh, passions at that point? Yeah, so it was. I sang in a in a choir um, for a long time and I played a couple of instruments. Uh, there is another musical uh, angle to my um, family life and that is my younger brother uh, who these days is a, an international soloist. He has an incredible uh, career and he's a few years my junior, four, four or so years uh, younger than I am. And when I was about... 12 or 14 and so he was kind of eight seven eight nine that kind of age um he had been playing the violin by then already for five years he started when he was three or four um but the talent that he had was becoming very apparent and uh the requirement for him to be kind of specialist educated uh in the violin uh, was taking over he wasn't able to do exactly the same kind of regular schooling uh, as me or, or other people and um, he needed more time to practice more time to learn more opportunity to travel to professors and all kinds of stuff in order to progress what um, seemed to be you know it takes, a, takes an awful lot to make a career in the end but what seemed to be a, a route um, for him to pursue and uh, as a sibling of somebody who is so incredibly precocious uh, and full of talent, you tend to find, in my experience, that you want to look for other routes, right? <laughs> so the answer to your question is yes, I've had music in my life and around my life, 
But pretty early on, uh, I decided that I didn't want to be on stage singing, dancing, playing. Uh, even if I might have been good enough, it wouldn't have been as a soloist, it would have been in a, a different capacity. And I thought, anyway, actually, I like business. I like doing deals. I like uh, advertising and marketing and all of those things just as much as I like music. And, and what I decided was to find a route where I could work in an industry that I loved and enjoyed and appreciated and that gave me uh, amazing satisfaction. But I never, not from tiny little you know, child age, wanted to then uh, get on the stage and, and be in music to make music. I wanted to make uh, business from music and that's kind of how it all started you contributed your value through something you felt you were better suited for or something you enjoyed more than actually being on stage yeah much more and for me the the reason it has been so fantastic for all these years is that the product i end up with at the end of every working day uh, every show day i get to sit back for two two and a half hours in a comfortable chair in a wonderful building and watch some amazing artists from around the world perform, sing, dance, do a piece of theater, whatever it happens to be. And that's when they get paid, is to entertain me and to make me uh, enjoy the experience of being there. My job has always been, I'll do everything else. I'll get the audience there. I will make sure that the uh, the, the, the atmosphere is, is right and that the commercial realities are, are met and you know all the different component parts are taken care of um, but your job is to stand up there and, and entertain me and, and you know that is a very separate thing so I get the perk for me of, of being in that industry uh, without having to to worry about the directly about the artistic yeah. side <laughs> do you recall anything from your like your childhood in terms of your parents nurturing that music element within the family like you said your brother and yourself or was it just that exposure in terms of their work was there anything specific they would i don't want to say nudge or like push you towards it no. or it was just all natural no i mean by the time i guess um you know the kind of those early uh teenage years for me or, or for my brother what i remember very specifically was them uh, not forcing him to practice. So he would have to do, you know, most people when they have some piano lessons or whatever, it's like you're looking at half an hour a week of practice or an hour maybe, and even then you've got to kind of force the child sometimes to do it. Daniel would have been practicing several hours every day, um, and to do that requires your own volition. If you have a parent kind of forcing, forcing children to do that, well, you can, but they're not going to truly love it and, and get into it it has to come from within themselves and uh, in his case he was happy to make that sacrifice and it is a big sacrifice you have to give up an awful lot of other things if you want to spend three hours a day doing one thing that no one else is doing plus some schoolwork, plus you know run around and kick a football and, and all the all the other bits so <clears throat> the the drive has to come from the individual and my parents whilst they uh, gave us every you know, opportunity and, and encouragement and obviously provided the framework for all sorts of things to happen, never pushed either of us in any direction. It was a, you know, we will support whatever it is, but you have to be the one to, to think what is it and then go and actually do it. Like you said, he was clearly a self-starter, self-driven yeah. to make the choice of that opportunity cost. You could be out with friends, you could be doing something else, 
but to choose to practice, it's it really has to come from within. Yes. Before we go into understanding how you got into the music industry and what you you've done to get here, I, I just want for our listeners to understand. What brought you to Dubai? You did mention it was the Dubai Opera, but how did that come about? Did they reach out to you? Did you come across an opportunity? What pulled you to the UAE? Sure. Uh, so immediately before Dubai, I was the chief operating officer at the Royal Albert Hall in London. Uh, I was there seven years in total. And we're talking about you know one of the world's greatest venues, nearly 150 years old. We were doing almost 400 shows a year. It's the best of the best, um, uh, kind of anywhere. It is comparable with the very greatest venues uh, around the world. And it was a truly uh, extraordinary experience to be there and a wonderful privilege to be able to curate uh, a diary for them, to to help them commercialize some of the areas of, of operation, and just to raise the bar, I always felt it was a duty when you have a job like that because you're you're just holding the position for a period of time and you know that there's been a lot of history before you and there will be masses of history after you. And your job is to leave it in a better state than you, than you found it and, and everything you do should be focused on that. So there I was um, very happily uh, engaged and employed in uh, running the day-to-day business of the, this extraordinary uh, institution, uh, and I got a phone call uh, to say there was this opportunity uh, in Dubai, and the only reason I I kind of took it seriously to begin with was that the person who phoned uh, was a, a headhunter, and it was the lady who had put me into the Albert Hall seven years before, and I hadn't spoken to her for seven years, and I just thought, well, I kind of I owe you, right, because. You you connected me with this place. I obviously had to do the interview and, and get the job, but she was the connection. She found me and and thought that I would be suitable for her client, the Royal Albert Hall, and so it transpired. And then I didn't see or speak to her for seven years, and then I get this call out of the blue saying, you know, hi, how's it going? <laughs> I've been having a think. I've got this other client. I think it might be the kind of thing that, uh, that you would enjoy. And to be perfectly honest... Uh, nothing else appealed at that precise moment because I didn't know Dubai. I'd never been there. I think I changed planes here one one time, but literally transfer from aircraft to aircraft. And um, I, I had no friends that had spent time here. I didn't even know the wider region. I hadn't visited uh, any of the other Gulf countries or, or even in the sort of wider Middle East. Um, I knew nothing about it. And I had, like most people, I guess, perceptions uh, of the place um, and in a professional sense those perceptions were around the lack of what I know and do and enjoy in a, in a cultural um, environment and I thought well no I'm at this great venue in the world I'm you know enjoying some success uh, in the work that I'm doing um, it was fantastically uh, rewarding I'm in a great city my family is settled you know all, all of the rest of it um, and she said, well, you know, let me just explain a little bit more about it because it's not just a, a straight, you know, you've got this job and now you can go and have this job. Um, uh, firstly, it doesn't exist. It's got to actually be built at the moment. It's a piece of paper and you would get to be properly involved in how that piece of paper gets turned into the reality of life. Um, and uh, secondly, 
you know, she'd met the client uh, and she knew they were serious. She knew they were putting time and resource and money uh, behind this project, not just for them, but for Dubai. They recognized that it couldn't necessarily be a commercial uh, business in the same way that some of their other businesses were, um, but it had a value nonetheless, an intrinsic value to them and to uh, Dubai, to brand Dubai, if you like, um, that was worth far more than whatever the the ticket sales on a particular show um, could, could be. And for that reason, they were going to invest. And they, they had an architect and they had plans and project teams and all the rest of it. Um, at the highest level, and uh, they intended to make this a world-class facility um, on day one. And in order to do that, they also knew they had to have somebody early enough in the process, uh, experienced enough in the on the international scene, and that's why you know I'm phoning you is because your career progression in these all these different things. Uh, has got us to this point where I think you are the person they're looking for. Um, and because it is not one genre of music or entertainment, it's not just opera, and it's not just ballet, it's not just classical music or just rock and pop. It's it's all of these things and more. And there is a whole local uh, aspect to it as well. I don't think there's many people um, that are going to be suitable. It's going to be a very, very short list that you know we find, and then they'll they'll have to decide which one they want. But you should definitely be on that list. And so uh, she she told me all of this. She sent me some information on the plans and the the thinking behind it, and some of the other people that were going to be involved. And she said, "Will you just come out uh, and meet the client, see the site, meet the architect, you know, talk to people? And if you're not interested." fine but they will fly you over and just see you know um and so i went home and told my wife and said you never guess what happens today (laughs) (laughs) and uh i said look i'm not sure i'm interested we're happy and settled and all the rest of it and she said no you should definitely go for this you should definitely go and at least see um because who else is ever going to phone you and say come build one of these from scratch the the in in you know people build i guess new hotels all the time and new restaurants and all kinds of other buildings but opera houses theaters uh performing arts complexes and venues it's pretty rare that a new a, a new one happens if anything they get you know, kind of refurbished in cities but a brand new one is a pretty rare thing and what i didn't realize at that point in the subsequent conversations and then on the visit that I came on, uh, found out, and this goes to now answering your question as to what kind of drew me, was it, it is an exceptionally rare thing to, to be involved in a um, building, uh, a performing arts venue building that doesn't already exist. So that was a huge attraction. But what really drew me was when I realised that there wasn't another one. It was the first not just the first in the city, the first in the country. Um, and to be able to have a an input into something that ground level was what suddenly got me thinking, well, wow, nobody ever phones with that kind of... Even if you know somebody else might one day think, well, I don't know, Paris needs a new hall or, or New York needs a new hall or London needs a new hall. Will you come and do this, you know, or a new theatre or something? That, that, it does happen. So it's not impossible. 
that uh, that that opportunity might present itself again in the future and I can stay where I am for the moment. But I thought, this is never going to happen again, that there is a market that doesn't have a developed scene and doesn't have a venue, and you get to come and be involved in both of those things. And and then that, uh, that was the clincher. That was what got me genuinely excited. And I thought, I can always go and run another old building. There will be opportunities if I want them, uh, and I'm lucky enough to to get them. There'll be opportunities all around the world. They have wonderful facilities um, with lots of multi-genre places and, and single-genre uh, facilities. And if that's what I decide I want to go back to in London or anywhere else, okay, I can I can probably make that happen. But this... This is something I will never get the chance to do again. And whatever happens, if I even if I end up hating it and it only lasts for five minutes, I will kick myself if I don't give it a go and 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 just see. So we decided as a family we would we would have an adventure. We would say, "All right, let's leave behind the safety and security of uh, everything that we knew and family and all the rest, and let's go see." Um, and that that was the draw, and that was what brought me and us here. So it was that rare and profound moment or that realization that this is a pretty rare occasion to be invited to this. Correct. And what was your first impression? You said they flew you out? Yep. So what was your first general impression of the city uh, at that point? I think, I mean, it's hard to remember everything about that trip because it, it was a real genuine eye-opener. You, you arrive in the airport And that's impressive to start with, right? You just, you arrive in that Terminal 3 Emirates space and you're thinking, wow, (laughs) wow, this is an airport? Um, And then you go outside and the heat, if you come from London, uh, is something you notice (laughs) pretty quickly. (laughs) Uh, I forget the exact time of year, but I think it was kind of early springtime so it, it wasn't it wasn't midwinter but it wasn't exactly warm uh and i i walked out and thought wow i'm not sure about this but okay and then when you get into the city i guess you see the architecture and you see the glass and you see you see what has risen from the desert um and it, obviously in a very short space of time and it's seriously impressive you 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 see all of this um, I didn't get to explore a great deal. It was it was mostly to meet um, people. So I was in uh, a series of meeting rooms and understand the project and, and as I say, look at the plans and talk to the uh, the architect and some of the team and, and just get a sense of what was envisaged and then how uh, how it would be used. Uh, you know, if I if I got the job and I, I got the responsibility, how would I take what these people were doing and then turn that into a live event, something for somebody to buy a ticket and come and enjoy, you know, X number of years down the line. Um, and that became sort of all-consuming. I didn't really look at the the rest of the city, um, or I certainly don't remember thinking too much else about it because my head was so full of, like, everything that would have to be done and, and all of that. All right. I just want to go back a bit more about your professional experience. Yep. Let's just say from when you graduated university to your next job or what from there to what led you to become the general manager of img europe so i didn't start as the general manager i ended as the general manager but um uh i started uh, as an orchestral tours manager a very 
kind of lowly position within uh, IMG. Within IMG, I, it wasn't my first job. Okay. I, I worked worked for another agency before that, and it got bought by IMG. So acquisition, yeah. So I ended up there uh, as the first kind of big company that I had worked for, and I was very young still. It was, I, I guess, I was about twenty four by then or five not not more than that so still really just like starting out but i had i had been working um for two or three years up until that point so i had a sense of the industry um and i had done a few tours uh, but this was a kind of whole different league this was a worldwide um company this was mark mccormack's uh img um you know known all over the world for the management of sporting stars for for producing tv um, and then latterly f- uh, for getting into the arts business and uh, starting to represent musicians and, and other uh, cultural um, offerings and then to organize events around them, festivals and tours and all, all kinds of things. Um, so I uh, got a job in the uh, orchestral tours department, which meant representing certain uh, famous orchestras putting them together with soloists and conductors and then selling them to festivals and promoters and um, concert series around the world and then organizing the tour flights hotels all of the logistics of um, of being on the road with a with a musical ensemble and i did that for uh three years uh, or so and then um i moved uh within the company because i found that much as i was enjoying the travel and the the work that i was doing actually the bit i wanted to do was be on the other side i wanted to be one of the people buying um instead of selling and then thinking about the promotion of the thing i'd bought and selling tickets not selling orchestras Uh, and i just wanted to to try that and the company had a division that did that so i switched divisions within img and then for the next nine years, nine and a half years, I stayed in that division. And that was the division that was it was one of the few divisions in IMG that was allowed to take financial risk, was allowed to buy things and then present them in, um, in a single concert format, a touring format or a festival environment uh, to take a risk on that and to live or die by whether it made a profit or, or didn't. Um, and that uh, was my kind of real start. Everything... Prior to that, in in my head was leading up to that when I, I realized I don't want to be on this side, I want to be on the other side. Kind of poacher turned gamekeeper revelation and and then that's what I did. And as I say, over that almost 10 year period, I just did more and more and more. And, and over that time, I became more experienced and uh, was promoted a number of times through the through the ranks uh, as we went and ended up, um, yes, running all of the live entertainment shows we had uh, for the European market. There was a, an equivalent of me in the US and then another equivalent for um, Australasia. So the three of us had um, these kind of territories divided um, and a whole range of different things uh, for each of us, but but essentially the same kind of job. So it was all types of the events under IMG were with you in your... Music. Music and entertainment. Well, I did, I did some other... Um, all within entertainment. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I believe uh, Hyde Park's Winter Wonderland is that one of the things within uh, your that was or? the next job actually. Okay. Uh, um, I left IMG after t- twelve or thirteen years um, 
to go and work for a company called AEG. And uh, AEG at the time had just bought uh, uh, what was then called the Dome, now called the O2 in London. And they were uh, refurbishing that and uh, refurbishing and then uh, were going to reopen the space as what is now, I think, the world's busiest and most successful venue, right? So that, that was just in its very infancy. And I went to work for them uh, not to, to work on the O2 specifically. I did a couple of things in it, but the, that wasn't the, the role. The role was to find other business to allow AEG to grow um, across Europe. So I looked at lots of different things. I did a few different tours in, in different places, uh, but I uh, was in touch with the Royal Parks, with, with Hyde Park in London, and they were looking at the time for a new event not a concert anything but a concert basically and preferably anything apart from during the summer because they already had a whole bunch of those things uh, going on um, and they wanted something completely different and they were looking for ideas and and offers from uh, they went to a number of different companies and said kind of give us your best shot and we'll we'll pick one of them and and you can do it and uh, so the idea i uh, had was winter wonderland and uh, they were very receptive to it. There, there had been a tradition a hundred years before of having um, fairs, fairground things in in Hyde Park, Victorian type fairs with uh, with you know traditional Christmas markets and that kind of thing. And they loved the idea of having one, a c- contemporary version of one, uh, back. And uh, so I uh, started that and did the first year. And I had literally just finished the first ever edition of Winter Wonderland when I got the call from the lady I, I referred to before uh, to say, hello, you don't know me, but <laughs> I've been watching you and there's this opportunity and I think you might be the person they're looking for. And I, so that was a real shock because Winter Wonderland was enormously successful immediately. Also incredibly hard work, but enormously successful and and it was so it was a very very exciting time, but I just it was the Albert Hall phoning, and if the Royal Albert Hall phones you, you, you take the call. It's one of those things in life, and I didn't think it would be right for me at all. Um, but I went to see them, and I found out what they had in mind and why they had been interested in me, and it panned out is all I can say. So. Um, that's the that's the basic history, and then that obviously led to seven years later getting the call to to come here. Just quickly about the Royal Albert Hall, your role there was as a chief operating officer. Correct. Uh, what exactly does a COO of a prestigious hall, <coughs> such as Royal Albert Hall, do? Uh, so I guess there are different models uh, depending on the venue and depending on the person. Um, the uh, the way that it worked for me was uh, possibly more operational than it is in other um, venues. Quite often, uh, it's a finance person that goes up into the COO role, and the CEO tends to uh, kind of have a more hands-on connection with the the day-to-day running of the business. Uh, At the uh, roll-up hall, it was the other way around. The CEO had been a finance director for many years, and so what he needed was somebody... To, to do a lot of the uh, the shows to get properly involved in the programming the technical aspects of, of the building and how to deliver all of those shows and then the audience experience so m- 
my version of COO, the way I did it at, at the Royal Albert Hall, uh, was to run the day-to-day business of the building to make sure that uh, every night we had a fantastic show um, coming in and every night we had a, a full house and that every night that full house got to enjoy that fantastic show in the best possible circumstances. So the, the food and beverage, the just the way everything kind of worked, fitted with their uh, expectation of a, of a night at the Royal Albert Hall. All right, so... We already talked about the Dubai Opera, yep. but since then you've also moved on from that. Now you're of Proscenium Arts. I am, yes. What is Proscenium Arts? Uh, so Proscenium Arts uh, is uh, essentially a vehicle for me uh, to explore a, another different side of um, entertainment and the, and the business that I've always worked in. I left Dubai Opera a few months ago, and uh, what I have found is that, uh, kind of similar to five years ago, things have moved on. Right, there is a lot more entertainment now than there than there was, not just in Dubai and the UAE, but across the region. Many, many more exciting things happening. But in many cases, um, there are still gaps, and there are still things that people know they want. They see them happening in Europe or North America. They know they want them. They've got to work out how to get them. Sometimes that means more venues. Sometimes it just means different content. Sometimes it means, well, actually, we want to start creating more of it ourselves locally. There's a, there's a real kind of spread of different things that are happening or that people want to happen. And many of those people um, just need some assistance and some advice, sometimes on a project, sometimes on a a kind of ongoing strategic uh, direction basis, <clears throat> sometimes uh, around um, a particular desire that they have to fill a gap with something. It can be a piece of content or, or something. And <clears throat> the way that uh, the entertainment business works, I'm sure is the same with everywhere else, it's about who you know and it's about who is trusted to deliver content who who has connections to artists and managers who knows international organizations and ensembles and how can you get them because it's not really about money it's about trust in order to be able to phone up and be taken seriously it helps a thousandfold if they already know you and trust you you can then talk about whatever the project is and it still may not be a guarantee of success but it's got a much better chance of being able to happen if if the link is is done on the basis that well we've done it before with him or, or we know him or them or what they do so what i'm doing is acting first and foremost as a as a consultant um, i have a number of different clients in different areas uh, within the uh, music and education space all, all connected to entertainment um and uh, I am helping them w- with what they need. The next part of Proscenium Arts uh, is a little bit of everything I've always done, and that's i I got to keep my hand in working with shows directly. So I am looking to bring a few things uh, into the region to um, either promote uh, directly or to work with partners uh, for them to promote but just to just to keep that going, I can't take that out of my life completely. Um, so there is an aspect of that. And then the final thing is for almost all of my career, certainly all the notable bits have been around um, music and theatrical production uh, on stage. But some of the things that I've had most fun doing is where I've veered off 
very slightly. Um, and uh, so, so an example would be for about five years, as part of what I was doing at IMG, I represented the Spanish Riding School of Vienna. The Lipizzana horses, uh, who, I mean, they're an incredibly artistic and cultural uh, thing for, for Vienna, but obviously you're dealing with horses and, and riders, not musicians and, and performers. And I toured them worldwide for five years. Um, and it was fantastic because it was completely different to what I was doing, but it was entirely relatable to, to all of the other projects that I was working on at the time. And doing things like that just reminded me that uh, it's not just about music. Entertainment is about all kinds of art and culture, and I like all kinds of art and culture. And if I can find a way to be involved in the broadest possible range uh, of what I see as entertainment, and in that I include sculpture and fine art and all sorts of things, then I want to do that. And, and over the years I've become uh, connected to a number of um, artists of all sorts, including painters and sculptors. And I think that there is a broader role for me uh, in the uh, the UAE and the GCC to also do a bit of that, to also get involved in some non-musical uh, cultural activity. Um, and, th- and those are the three basic strands of proscenium. I'm just thinking about the horses. Were you doing that while you were still at was it IMG? It was at IMG, yeah. So was that on the side? Uh, no, no, it was, it was part of for, for IMG. So I won the won the contract to to represent them, um, but with my IMG hat on. Yeah. So in terms of proscenium, you hinted that uh, you have all types of clientele. Yes. One of which is like Expo. Correct. Uh, and as we know, Expo coming along, they plan to have a lot of shows. I'm assuming you're involved in at least <clears throat> helping them find the right shows for... Yes, so I mean, Expo is it is one seriously big show. <laughs> it's it's 173 days, I think, of incredible content, uh, architectural content um, first and foremost. You know, just to to wander around that, but then to activate the site, they have a lot of stages. They have a lot of plans for mobile entertainment. There are so many things that are going to go into that. Um, and yeah, I'm delighted to say I'm I'm helping not with all of it, but with with some of the the content ideas that they have, some of the things that they want to see delivered as part of that amazing experience, um, I, I get to play a very small part in, and it's a, it's a great honor to do so. Um, but yeah, they're just one uh, one example, very high profile one, of course. But uh, music, as I say, music, entertainment, and and the educational links are all they're all important to me, and and I'm I guess really glad, really grateful that I get to continue that. I, I have a university client, a performing arts academy in Sharjah, the only one in the Middle East. You know, that is a brand new thing for this region to to be able to study acting in the Middle East at a really high level um, is something that you couldn't do one year ago, let alone five years ago. You know, Now, where that leads, acting, musical theatre... Uh, maybe one day there'll be a conservatoire here. You know, there's all kinds of things still to come. They may not all be in in charge. They may be spread across the region. I hope they are. I hope there's more than one. But to to have that side of things as well as the the commercial, this is coming in, buy a ticket for or whatever it is. It's a it's a great spread of uh, clients that I can advise, and it's a great spread of of things that I can be involved in. Yeah, it's giving birth to new industries in terms of down the line, what we'll see comes of that. 
Yes. Speaking of the education, that's actually where we met was at the Dubai Future Council of Education Correct. event. Yes. Uh, what exactly is, because you serve on the Dubai Future Council of Education. I do. Yeah. What exactly is the Dubai Future Council of Education? So Dubai, a year and a half or so ago, through uh, the work of Sheikh Hamdan, uh, created a number of uh, councils, a, a number of bodies of, of people, uh, each with a with a head um, that was trusted and respected for that area, uh, to give some thought uh, to to the particular area and to how it might work for Dubai and for the world in future. If you think about the success of Dubai and the speed of, of growth of Dubai in the last 20-odd years, it is immediately apparent to anybody that it didn't just happen by itself. There is a plan. There are a series of plans. And behind those plans are a series of people who've had thoughts and consultations and ideas, and in some cases, crazy, revolutionary, amazing ideas that, you know, in their time might have been thought wacky, but in many cases, Dubai has seen the potential of those, uh, has invested in them, and has brought them to life. And what that has meant is that not only have you had an extremely fast-growing kind of physical city, but also as a place that can generate ideas, a kind of incubator of um, entrepreneurial spirit, business, you know, lack of red tape, all kinds of things. Dubai goes above and beyond to support those initiatives. And this is one of those. This is a way of saying, okay, things are fantastic now, I guess, but where are we going? And how do we make sure that as a, as a new but very important global city already, we have a, a role and a place in 20 years, in 50 years, you know, in, into the future. And so for technology, for um, business, for sport, for education, you know, all of these things have to be thought about for, for medical. Uh, how, how is this going to look uh, in our city in the future? And for uh, education, it's it's particularly important to to think about the world is changing the world is not going to be the same you know in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and the it's it's a well said already um uh, example that you know many of our children will, will do these jobs that don't currently exist we don't know what they are going to be but it is totally believable that that will be the case and if that is going to be the case how do we help them get ready for that and how do we help their children what can we put in place now as a as a, uh, a viable aid to make sure that uh, in the same way that i believe i benefited from my education all those years ago it, it helps kind of round me out into the person i am now how do we do that for the for the coming generations and how do we make sure that they are able to to learn the best from the best be the best in particular areas and so the dubai future council on education was was formed um uh the the person um uh, given the responsibility of chairing it is, is dr abdullah karam of the khda um and he put together it's not even a board it's a group of people a council of people um who have different uh, backgrounds, experiences, ages, uh, and um, what he wants from us uh, is is our thoughts. He wants us to think, to work at thinking extremely hard at where might 
Dubai be? What could Dubai do now? How are things going to change? And and what what plans do we need to put in place to make sure that that we shine in an educational sense in the in the future? Um, the the number of schools has gone up dramatically in the last just few years, last three, four, five years. It's shot up. The number of universities is rising all the time. The quality of the education is going up. Um, th- this rise is unstoppable. What, what you need to do is think about, okay, what, what shape do we need to give it? How do we, how do we kind of help? Um, what, what, from a regulatory or a government point of view, can or should be done uh, in order to make sure that things are in place for the next steps to be taken. And so our role is to meet uh, regularly, to engage with other people, because it's not just our thoughts and ideas, um, and to come up with a series of uh, ideas, recommendations, um, options for uh, f- for the government of Dubai to, to consider. Um, which ones they like, which ones get enacted, you know, it's <clears throat> that's sort of... The, for another time and, and beyond us, but our job is to come up with a series of uh, genuinely thought through and worked up um, ideas and, and recommendations, and and hopefully not all of them, but some of those will then be the basis for some uh, some work that the KHDA and the government organisations around can can do, which will lead to a much better education future for Dubai. And then that's an interesting thing you don't see in many cities doing uh, such initiatives. Correct, correct. Uh, We'll transition a bit more into your own personal thoughts. Yeah. We talked about the role of music growing up for you. Uh, Did you have any role models you looked to for inspiration? I don't think I did. Uh, I, I mean, I guess there's, there's always people around you. I, I have never, I have never been a like a, a follower or a fan in a fanatical sense. I've got things that I like and that I enjoy very much, <clears throat> but I've never followed a football team, for example. I've never, I've never thought some movie star or musician is like an idol. I respect them enormously. I love their work. I, you know, I'm very happy to pay to go and see things. Or, or um, and I guess you are inspired by them, but it's not in a sort of this is who I'm modelling myself on. And that can be a business person or, a, or an entertainer or whatever it is. I, I guess I've just I'm I'm more of a general appreciator than a, a specific fan. Are there any personal routines or habits you tend to do that you think might be unique to yourself or just a routine you tend to do? I don't know about unique, but I um, think one of the things I am able to do that helps me enormously and and always has is uh, kind of segregate in my mind work and social life and family life um, which isn't to say that I forget about the other things when I'm focused on just one of them but I found uh, you know if one is enormously busy and frequently one is right especially if you're building an opera house in in the desert or taking a 
Spanish riding school on tour for a month or whatever it is, right? You you have to be really focused on that thing for a period of time. Um, but being able to carve up the day and particularly your head in a way that things are in like boxes or rooms within your in your mind, I've just found enormously helpful because it means I can separate all of those thoughts and feelings and um, uh, emotions and whatever <clears throat> and concentrate on the absolute priority of now whatever whatever that is it might be a family thing it might be a work thing it might be a friend <clears throat> it's just something for me um uh but i can i can do that i think pretty well i don't need to i don't need to muddle stuff um i can just focus and not worry while i'm doing it that something else disastrous is happening over there i can certainly in a work sense if you've got people around you that you know and trust and, and you, you can rely on them, and I, I find it quite easy to let go, still be available, but just to know that they've got it. They've got it covered, whatever it is. Um, so in the meantime, I can focus on this. I don't know if that's unique or not. I, I, just, I think it's uh, my way of thinking is, is very helpful to me. That's, that's as much as I can say. In your mind right now, do you actually visualize like the next tasks you have for the day or like you're saying yeah, you're able to focus into one specific task yeah i know what i've got to do today i also know that things will change because it's today and things change every day um you'll get a phone call you get an email i don't know something will have happened at home whatever it is some something will shift the day um but yeah it's compartmentalized enough and and ordered enough for me usually to quite easily steer through whatever that is some people get very stressed about it and and i guess that's what i mean i i don't i'm generally an extremely calm person and and even when a lot of stuff is, in fact particularly when a lot of stuff is happening i find it quite easy uh to to work through that in a way that doesn't lead to me being um, super stressed or anything. So, so you'll adapt to this situation at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I just see it as a—it's the only practical way forward. But I know not everyone is able to do that, or, or things like that, or you know they prefer to use a different technique. But for me, I—I I am much better to stay calm through stuff. Um, so I do. What are your thoughts on the role of music uh, in an individual's, let's say, learning or education? I'm not saying in terms of someone who's practicing music or following a career in music, yeah. but the role of music in their own career path. Well, I think um, there are so many ways that music can touch your life. I think if you, if you want to keep it really simple, it just makes you smile. It doesn't matter what kind of music you like. You can like folk music you can like rock music you can like classical opera doesn't really doesn't matter but uh, i don't think there can be many people in the world who haven't got like one tune that they like and probably a sort of a genre or, or a part of a genre that they like and that that gives them pleasure it makes them smile it might also make them cry there are other emotions that can be connected to it of course it's it can be storytelling and, and all sorts of things but um, at the most basic level, you just enjoy it. Sometimes you enjoy doing it, actually singing yourself or, or playing. <clears throat> Even if that means humming in the shower, 
You just, it's part of life. You can then use it in a, in a bigger sense. You can learn from it. You can see how it brings people together on a, on a much wider scale than just you with, with some headphones listening to whatever it is that you like. But at the base level, I just think it's about pleasure and personal pleasure. And, and you can do it in a group sense, but it's still, it's you. You like that band. You like that composer. You like that song. And if you have pleasure in your life uh, from music, from anywhere else, but, but in this case from music, that is a good thing. It helps the rest of your day. And I like that. I think that you don't need to do anything to consume it. You just open your ears and listen. And, and you choose. You choose the one you like to. I, I wouldn't force you to listen to something you didn't like to. That would be awful. But you have your thing. Listen to it. It doesn't even have to be every day. Just when you get a chance. What comes from it is pleasurable. And that's why it goes with social occasions. That's why people pay to go and consume it. That's why it's, it, it is you know, manifested in the way that it is. Because at the, at the base level, it's just fun. It's great. Find something you like, put it on. And, um, and then if you want to dance as well, well, okay. E- you know, even better. But just sit back and listen. Um, uh, and I think you don't have to be any more complex than that. You, of course, if it's your job, there are other, a whole load of other aspects, of course, all sorts of other ways that it can be connected. But um, just keep it simple. Put on a record you like. Do you think it plays a role in how our minds develop? I think for children it certainly does. I think the ability to interact with others, I think the ability to understand that music can be a way of of telling a story or sharing uh, emotions. It can be a great comfort to people. It can be uh, a fantastic way of of learning for many, helping learn. Um, Once you are developed... I don't know how much you continue, as it were, to benefit from the development side of, or the potential development side of music. <clears throat> as I say, for me, it just becomes a, a factor of enjoyment. Um, but as you are uh, going through those formative years, uh, yes, I think it's very important. I think recognizing that there is there are these different sides to personality and life and that um, the cultural dimensions of those have enormous validity, as do the sporting ones, as do the you know, technical and business and all the other things. And, and each person is a mixture of, of bits of all of those. Um, but, but I would hate to think of a world where you did it with the exclusion of, of the cultural side. Um, and, and that's all of it's art and literature, as well, of course, as, as music. What advice would you give a recent graduate looking to start in the music industry today? Just get a job. My first job was as a receptionist. I covered maternity leave in a, in a music agency. Doesn't matter. You're not gonna you're not gonna be the boss when you start, right? Um, just you, you need to find a job. Just start. You you have to start. Um, and uh, it can be an intern. You can be a receptionist. You can make the tea it doesn't matter um but if you can get in what happens is firstly you start to learn about it properly before it's just an idea and and, and you don't really understand so so if you're in you you start to appreciate at least a little bit of whatever it is you're seeing and, and being involved in and secondly 
the most important thing is things change. Okay, people move on. Circumstances change, opportunities arise, and if you're in, you're there when it happens. And then you stand a chance. Nothing guaranteed, you know, there's, there's no sort of set formula that you can follow. Uh, but if you're already there on the ground making tea, answering the phone, doing whatever it is, and you are loving it, and you're putting effort into whatever it is and, and helping as much as you can the people around you and making an effort to learn, if and when there is an opportunity, it's going to get recognized. And it, that may not be the one, but it'll be a, a stepping stone for you. Um, and uh, sort of sitting back and applying for jobs and, and thinking about it in too broad a sense, you know, I understand how people do it and why people do it. I have always believed you just got to get on and, and, uh, and literally do anything and if you are persistent enough at trying to do that think most people find a route in and and once you're in who knows as I say, my path is is not something you exactly follow it's certainly not something i planned it's just it's one of those things but each stage has come about because um i've been i've been happy doing what i'm doing i've been pushing myself forward um and then something has opened up some some route has opened up and either someone's helped me with that or i've seen it and done it myself doesn't matter the route has opened up and i've gone forward down a new path sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but but move forward and and that's how you get into it that's how you do it a lot of times opportunity is just about being present being there to take the opportunity correct so we'll move on to our rapid-fire questions. These can be short, yep. long answer, just okay. quick sure. questions. Sure. What's your music genre of choice? Oh. I mean, yes, all multiple, of them, but, yeah. but what, what's your go-to? If we're talking guilty pleasures, it's probably 1980s pop. <laughs> okay. um, if it's, you know, serious, reflecting, relaxing mood, it's, uh, it's classical or jazz. So depending on the mood or the environment. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Spotify or Apple Music? Uh, Spotify. If you could post a message on a billboard we assigned to you for a year on Sheikh Zayed Road, going yeah. towards Abu Dhabi, towards Dubai, doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. What would you like people to see? Uh, and you're not plugging anything. It's, you're not promoting a show. It's okay. just a message for people. What would you like the message to be on the billboard? I'm reminded of Simon and Garfunkel. The line in um, Feeling Groovy is the song. Slow down, you're going too fast. I think that's what I put on there. All right. it's my experience of the Shakespeare Road. <laughs> what book do you gift to most people? If you gift, or if you were going to gift a book, what book would you like to gift to people? There's a few. I I'm biased. I, I mentioned at the beginning, my father is an author, so I quite often give one of his um, or, or recommend. Well, it depends. It depends who it's to. So there's a couple of children's books. Um, so for families, I, I'll you know look to give them. Uh, one of those is one called The King, the Cat, and the Fiddle, Dragon War Pink, because a few others. Um, but then most of what he's written is um, uh, novels. And what, what is his full name? Christopher. Christopher, Christopher Hope. Oh, okay. So either it'll be the latest one, or it depends who the person is. But you know that that'll always be my my kind of go to um, uh, book gift. Do you have a favorite documentary? Uh, no, but. Uh, 
I have a recent documentary, I guess, which could be my favourite yeah, for this week. Sure, yeah. uh, I saw quite recently, because um, I know the filmmaker, uh, one of the episodes of, um, it's uh, this is from Atlantic Productions, and it was just on the uh, Discovery Channel, and it was about the history of the UAE, and it was... Uh, I think it's a five-part documentary in Arabic, three parts in English. Uh, and I saw the first one in English uh, just a few nights ago. Um, it, it came out, um, I think, earlier in this this month, anyway. Um, and it was it was fantastic. It was very very informative, very interesting. A um, uh, whole bunch of stuff that I. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know, <laughs> should have known having lived here for five years. Um, but it just reminds you that I'm always looking forward and all of that stuff because it's business and life and family and it's fast-paced and things. But um, it, it just reminded me that I I now live somewhere else that I don't know all that well, even after five years. And I ought to make more of an effort to just dig a little back in the history uh, as well as the kind of constant pace of... of business and family life going forward do you recall the name of the documentary maybe we can put it on our notes for people or what is it about it's about the formation of the ue it's the history no it's well, it comes to the formation okay. of the ue but it's it's from historical times oh wow I okay. mean, we're talking about thousands of years yeah. ago and and how uh, the societies were set up how uh, water was used where the settlements were and and it, i'm sure by the time you get to program three we're getting into the last 50 years and then the last 10 or 20 years right but but uh, the one i saw is set way way back so it's like um, bedouins and tribe correct and tribes. correct um and there were permanent uh there were permanent i mean dubai itself it's not just about dubai it's about the whole country but um but dubai itself the the reason it's here is because of the strategic location next to the creek right so there was always there were always permanent settlements here even though there was it was a bedouin society um and anyway so it's just it's about about that i can't remember the name we'll right try and second, look it up i'll, I'll dig it out for you do you have any personal hobbies you explore on evenings or on weekends or musical instrument or no, I tell you, I, I gave up music <laughs> performance a long, long time ago because um, I couldn't compete with my little brother. Uh, I um, I play a bit of golf. Uh, I guess that's the, the most regular thing. Um, I try and walk every day, every every morning. Get up early and go for a walk. Um, sometimes in the in the evening instead. But it's just to kind of keep active. I'm not hugely uh, into um, exercise for the sake of exercise, but, um, but I do recognize that some days I'm just sitting in a chair much of the day, and um, on those days in particular, I think, oh, right, I've got to find half an hour here and just do something. Um, so I'll go for a bike ride or a, or, or a walk um, just around where the, the house is. But, um, but golf I enjoy just because, uh, well, at least in the UAE, the weather for most of the year to do uh, it in is phenomenal and um, it is one of those games where just occasionally you do something really well and you think oh maybe there's a future in this for me <laughs> if, uh, if nothing else works out maybe I could turn pro um, <laughs> just you know for those couple of seconds um, but most of the time you you're striving to get better and I just I like that so like we talked about earlier, how Dubai is very future-focused and very ambitious about the future. If there was one dream initiative or wish initiative you could see them pursue, what would you like? Or beyond Dubai, let's say the whole of UAE, if there was something they could pursue, 
what would it be? I think I think I'd have to make this personal again and say uh, music in schools or, or performance in schools, live performance. I think uh, it is beginning, and I appreciate it's all new anyway, so, so it's not a criticism at all. But I think it is so important. I know not all children... Uh, want or or would ever have the potential to do it for a career it's not about that i'm talking about from a young age to make sure that you have singing to make sure that you have the opportunity or the access to instruments the teachers that are able to uh to to show um, how wonderful music can be for young minds in particular i think more of that nationwide is is the thing I would wish for. As I say, I'm not saying it's not happening, or and it's certainly not a criticism, but it's you can't have enough of it, in my view. Um, however much of all the other stuff you have, you must also have equal amounts of uh, of culture and, and music in particular, because it's it just makes kids so happy. Just look at the faces when they're engaged. Um, I, I have young children, and I see. You know, when they're singing, it's not about the quality of what they're singing at all, um, but it is about the participating, and they love it. Do you have any last words of wisdom you would like to share with our listeners? Okay, I don't know about wisdom. Personal experience, uh, things have changed in my life a number of times um, uh, since I started work. Being positive about the change is... For me, I think the most valuable thing I take from all of them, you can't control when things change. You can't control how things change. Sometimes the change is good, sometimes it's bad. Not fearing it, embracing it, and, and as I say, moving forward in a positive fashion. I Personally, it's the only thing I can do, but I think in terms of helping anybody else if i could if i could change things for for some people some of the time it's because i want to help them be more positive about whatever the change is even when there are tough circumstances and and of course we've all faced those um but to to find the positivity in it the way of of going forward uh without reproach or or uh, anxiety or stress or you know any of those those kind of negative uh, aspects if you can i just that's how i choose to live my life and um i'm i'm very happy and very comfortable as a result lastly where can our listeners go to learn more about either yourself or actually proscenium arts if they want to reach out what's the best way to do it Okay, uh, so uh, we have a we have a, a website uh, which is uh, proscenium-arts.com. There's some basic contact uh, information on that. I um, I'm around. Uh, if people want to talk, uh, I'm always happy to to engage. Um, I like living in the UAE. I've met some amazing people in the last five years uh, across the country. I've explored the region a little bit both for work and uh, also with the family uh, we've done some uh, quite a few trips uh, around just to see you know wh- where we now call home um, and dubai for all the for all the kind of skyscrapers and the and the traffic uh, on the sheikh zayed road going too fast for all of that it's actually a really small place you run into uh, people relatively easily if if i 
were to have been setting up a brand new venue in another big city uh, five years ago, not Dubai, I think I would have found it much more difficult uh, to work at the pace that I was able to do here, simply because access to new people in a new city can be a really difficult thing. And in Dubai, because it is a manageable size and because of the just the way that things work here, uh, you still have to make a lot of effort, but I found it relatively easy to connect with an awful lot of people relatively quickly. And I think that that is one of the things for me that has made um, Dubai stand out uh, professionally as I've been working here for the last few years. So, as I say, I'm around, you'll find me. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. You can find this episode's show notes on our website at streamsofprogress.com slash jasperhope. That's J-A-S-P-E-R-H-O-P-E. We'd love to connect with you. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram or reach out via our website. If you can please take a few minutes to give us an honest rating on iTunes, this really makes a huge difference and improves our ability to reach more people in the UAE and beyond. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next week on Streams of Progress. (laughs) 